I really feel like the Lord wants me to talk today about removing the invisible man, removing the invisible man, and, and just dealing with the fact that we need men that are engaged in the lives of their families. And while I'm talking to men specifically, I want you to know that I'm talking to everybody. So if you feel like, well, this isn't my sermon, I, I, I want you to listen because I believe there's going to be something in here from the Word of God. I, how many know the Holy Ghost will speak to you while the preacher's speaking? The Holy Ghost speaks as well and gives you what you need for that day. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 27, verse 38. Genesis chapter 7. I am not going to be in Acts today. You can tell I, I'm in Genesis. If you think that's right next to Acts, um, well, then... I have Bible studies that I offer after church, and I'll show you where Acts is in proximity to Genesis. But Acts, Acts is a wonderful... How many were at Spirit Life this morning? Anybody enjoy Spirit Life? I hope you did online. Welcome online to you, and I hope you got the chance to join us. Spirit Life happens at 10. This is an 11 o'clock service. Genesis 27, verse 30. I'm going to lift one verse here for your reading, then we'll be seated. And that is the story of Jacob and Esau and the situation where Jacob had swindled his brother's first, his birthright. And his father had already blessed Jacob with the birthright of the first child, which is the inheritance of the land and the inheritance of everything that the father has, the greatest inheritance. And Esau, the firstborn that had the right to it, but had sold it for a, a bowl of pottage because he was hungered, the Bible said. He was hangry and he sold it. Amen. And so he did not think that his brother would be able to actually fulfill the fact that he was going to get the first promise because it had to be given by the father. Everyone say by the father. The blessing was given by the father. And so Esau comes to the moment where he's supposed to get the blessing and Jacob had already come in and got it and gone out. And when Esau comes in, his father said, who are you? I, I, I've already given this blessing. And look at Esau's response. He says, and Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Because you see, in their culture, the blessing of the father was the greatest thing you could have in your life. And I promise you that this speaks to something more than Esau's story. This revelation jumps off the page and deals with every human heart because if you've missed your father's blessing, you can search for approval in places you should never be for the rest of your life. And I've seen 75-year-old men, men seeking for a missing father's blessing because there was an invisible man in their life that never gave them their blessing. So I want to talk to you today about the invisible man and how much we need the Father's blessing on our life. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the word. We ask you to minister and bless in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've heard of Kirk Franklin before. Anybody heard of Kirk Franklin? Five-time Grammy Award winner, over 20 years as a recording artist. He was not only known for 
the song Start a Revolution, but also God's Property. Anybody remember that? GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It might, get, it might get a little crazy, but he said that man who did all of those great successful things had a father's blessing that was missing in his life. And he said, I'm always the most insecure man in the room. That's what he said from a missing father's blessing. He, was, he managed to keep his faith and his, his, wife, his marriage together for 23 years and still has the same wife. Yet Franklin says all the success he's experienced hasn't alleviated the mental health challenges he faces in his life, including the deep-seated feeling of insecurity from a missing father's blessing. He said, there are places in my life where I have the greatest of successes, but the thing that triggers the most for me is the fact that I never had a dad who said, I approve of you, and I, I, I'm proud of you, and I, and I love you. And maybe you are in that particular space or that particular situation today. I want you to know I come from a rough background, and I know what that's like to not have a dad there to say I love you all of my life, and then to have a stepdad who who says that he loves you but actually abuses you. On one hand, he's saying that he's caring for you and he loves you, and the other hand, he's beating you at times and, and has alcohol issues and all of these different things going on in my life, and I never got a real clear picture of what a good father looked like. And then I ran into one named Jesus, amen? I ran into one who is father in the flesh, who said, I will not stay invisible as a father in heaven, but I will come in flesh and dwell among men, and I will walk with them, and I will show them that I love them, so much so that I will shed my very life. And he gave up the rest of his life. At 33 years, he shed his his young blood on a very horrible cross so that I would know that God is not absent in my life, that he's engaged in my life. And I don't have some father up in the stratosphere somewhere looking down quick to judge me with a lightning bolt. But I have a God who came, wrapped himself in flesh, walked this earth, put himself in subjection to his own creation, actually made himself vulnerable to his own creation and died a death that no man should die except for those who had done the sin. But he died it for me, and he's my father in flesh, and he came for me, and you can't tell me otherwise. You can't tell me I'm worthless. You can't tell me I don't have value because my father was not invisible. He was a father who came as a man and walked this world and gave me my hope. Amen, somebody. I just don't know how to say it any other way, but he was the God who woke up and gave me the understanding inside me that I was, he came and he, he brought something alive inside of me that said, you're worth more than what you've been through. You're worth more than how you've been treated. You're worth more than what people say about you, and you're worth more than what people don't say about you. When people just look at you with that blank stare and give you their judgment through their eyes, I want you to know that you're a approved of by me, that I love you regardlessly, and my love for you has no strings attached. There is no way that you could ever earn this kind of love. Do you hear what I'm saying today? 
So Franklin grew up, this man who's so successful that you would look at and say he has everything. He's got money and fame, and he grew up not knowing his father. And while his father was dying of cancer, the singer admitted to him that not having the affirmation of his father really contributed to a lot of the problems in his life. And while the world is quick to make men invisible today and quick to remove them from even being needed, I stand to tell you we need our men in this world. We need men of God in the house of God on a Sunday in the sanctuary of the Lord. Amen, somebody. We need men who know how to lift up hands without wrath and without doubting. Men that know how to handle themselves and live with self-control. Amen. Men that know how to walk with God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And this is not just a show, but this is actually an outward sign of an inward walk that you've had all your life with God. And this is not more than just a put on. This is not a mask that we put on and come into church looking good and smelling good. But we walk this every single week and we model what our Father showed us. We give our lives and lay our lives down for our family and our children. You didn't have kids to make yourself look good, men. You didn't have a family to make yourself look good. You have a family so that you can make them look good and so that you can help them get to heaven. Amen, somebody. You are to live the example of a God who showed up. So we know that people are not necessarily for men. Obviously, we understand that our culture has turned against the man. And if your husband is still here or, you're, or someone in your life that you're right now engaged to or that you're beginning to make plans to be married to or someone that has, has been there for you as a father figure, you need to call them today and thank them for staying in your life. I've already called my father this morning, and when I called him, I said, hey, Dad, and I woke him up. <laughs> and he said, I said, I just want to tell you I love you. It doesn't matter whether he's been there for me. It doesn't matter how much he's done or has not done. He's still my father. And I, as a man, intend to show up in my kid's life more than maybe he showed up in my life. I totally intend to do that. I intend to break any generational curses that would try to pass them way, their way down to my children. But I intend also to go backwards and call my father and love on him and show him what it's like to not be an invisible man, but to be a man that is engaged and caring about people, not only the next generation, but the generation that came behind me, the generation that stood up and said, this is the path, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. This is the thing that I was willing to give all my life to. These are the doctrines and the truths of the word of God, and they're worth living, they're worth standing on, and I will stand up and not only reach from the past and hold on to those things which are good, but I will also hand them to the next generation without tainting them as they come through me doing my best to be a good father. In their latest book, The Boy Crisis, Warren Farrell and John Gray highlighted stats and research that point out to the, to the pains of boys growing up deprived of an involved father, deprived of a man that's visible, the harsh effects of invisible dads, 
in kids' lives. Hear me carefully because there is a vast body of of education on this. This is not just something I put together here. There is, you can go out and you can find the effects of the missing man in our culture. It has so affected culture and we don't even maybe know that, but countless studies show the vast benefits of involved and present dads, reminding us how important the role as a, of a father is. And that if I can impress you in any way, understand this. The things that I, there were 55 different studies that I looked at. Not all of the information in the study, but there are 55 research based studies. And they, when they did these researches, these different studies, they found some of the same things surfaced in their studies. And that is out of 55 research based benefits of an engaged or involved father, five things invisible men cause. This was what happens whenever a man is not present or dad is not present in your life. One of the effects is physical. Loss of a father by age of nine has a 14% reduction in, in what's called telomere um, length or the, it's a, the length of a particular cell in your body the most reliable predictor of life expectancy. 14% reduction of that cell if you lose your father. They found this in studies. The more frequently a father visits the hospital of an infant who is born um, prematurely, the more quickly the infant is released from the hospital. These are things that came up to the top of the surface of all these studies. They were similar, and they just connected the dots the body of research that, that we, I looked at, it's, it was staggering. I promise you, it was staggering. Number two, the second thing that happens when a man is invisible, when there's an invisible man in your life, is that it affects you mentally. They found it, it affects a, a child mentally. Students coming from father-present pres, families scored higher in math and science, science even when they come from weaker schools. Even when the school was poor, if there was an engaged father there, they scored higher in math and sciences. I'm not discrediting a mother or single moms. Don't click off just because you're maybe joining us and I'm speaking about fathers today. You have an understanding this is Father's Day and I'm going to present the material about fathers. Is that okay? It says no, we're on number two, mentally affected by and the invisible man. The more interaction a boy has with his dad before six months of age, the higher his mental competence. The developmental process of a child is so wrapped up in their blessing of the father. As I read about Esau, living without a father doubles a child's chances of dropping out of high school. Number three, the things that are affected when there's an invisible man in your life. You're affected socially. Father absence predicts the profile of both the bully and the bullied. Poor self-esteem, poor grades, and poor social skills come from absent father homes. Aging among youth, among youth in prison, 85%, staggering, 85% grew up in a fatherless home. Everybody say the invisible man. 
The reason why our jails are so full is because fathers are invisible. The reason why we have struggles is because the fathers are not showing up. I'm telling you, the, the passion and the, the tear that you saw come to my eye as I began this sermon telling you about the fact that even if my father wasn't the best, I found a father who was the best, and I gave my life to him. That is because of the fact that I am not in this category because even though my father may not have been there, I found one that was, amen, and he can replace any missing father. But understand, I'm preaching the impact of the invisible man. Living without a father doubles a child's chances of dropping out of high school. I already said that. The social aspects, number three. Among youth in prison, we hit that one. In fatherless homes, 85%. A study, now listen to this carefully. A study of ISIS, cap, those that were captured in, in ISIS, concluded that almost all male and female fighters had some type of absent father syndrome in ISIS. You know what I'm talking about? The terrorist organization that we fought in the Middle East. And number four effect of an invisible man in your life is living in a home without a dad has a greater, correct, greater correlation with suicide among teenagers than any other factor. Living in a home without a visible man. That ought to shake us, brothers and sisters. That ought to move us to say, if, if there's anything, we have a message of a father who can save to the uttermost. We have a message that can still change the world. The name of Jesus is, has all power. And I don't want to see anyone lost. The amount of time a father spends with a child is one of the strongest predictors of the child's ability to empathize as he gets older. Empathy is passed on from the father. Apply that to the word of God. The father came and died for us. And we have empathy for lost souls because we understand our father. Amen. Oh, my goodness, that's me preaching to myself right there, I guess. I just, I feel that. Number five effects of an invisible man is spiritual. The missing blessing of an invisible man in the church. Think about it. Think about it for just a minute. Farrell and Gray did not address this in the book. But Satan loves tearing homes apart. I can guarantee you that. I don't fight the battles that I fight in my home and, and strive the way I strive to keep my children together and, and do my best to keep them living for the Lord and helping them and guiding them if it wasn't for the fact that this, the enemy of our soul is attacking homes and separating marriages. Amen? The enemy celebrates the reality that the term, that terms such as dad deprivation has been developed in our world. Have... I, I, this is not just an invention in the church. This is actually psychologists and people outside that don't even believe in God. They understand the effects of dad deprivation because of the loss of the dad. God reveals himself to us as a loving and compassionate father and an attack on the image of God happens through the attack on the image of man. And the world would like nothing more than man to be invisible. 
They would like for us to say that man doesn't matter, that we can remove the masculine figure from the home, but the damage is vast and the damage is generational. It is. So what do we do? Pastor, you're discouraging us today. No. What do we do? True religion, the Bible says in James 1.27, true religion is defined by our Lord as caring for the orphans. God literally wants us to pick up where men are invisible. God wants us to be the agents that step in and say, you can make it. You are more than this. You can get up again. You can fight another day. You can change your world. You can do more. And so we understand that there are physical and mental and social and emotional and spiritual development issues that come from having an invisible man in the church and in the home. And I want to stand up and say, I'm not an invisible man. I'm not a suit with a hat and unpresent. I will be present in my family's life. Are there any other men that want to stand right now and say that you're going to be a visible man? Anybody else in this room willing to stand right now and say, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be, amen. Let's take a roll call. Look at these men right here. I'm going to be present. Thank you. You may be seated. He says you are to love your children and not provoke them to anger. Fathers, you've got to show up for the fight. You've got to show up every day. Hear me, dads. You've got to show up because their physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual development depends on you putting away the invisible man and engaging in their life spiritually, physically, mentally, every part of your life. Be visible, men. Be men that have the good times and the bad times. Be in there when it's not so good and when it's not and when it's great. Be in there in their lives and be committed to them. Apologize when you make mistakes. Yes. Be the one who says, you know, I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to say I'm sorry when I get frustrated or when life gets the best of you. Nobody has promised to be perfect, but let's commit to remove the invisible man from our homes and from our churches, from the places that change lives. Lord, let us be men who bless and not curse, who give and not take, who cover in prayer, who watch on the wall, who are good fathers. Lord, help us get the invisible man out of the church. We do not need him here. He didn't stay. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe your dad didn't stay. Maybe your, your husband didn't stay for your kids. Maybe they're distant, gone, and invisible. But our Father is engaged. And you can find men in this church that will pick up the orphans in your life, pick up your children and care for them. They will throw a ball with them. They will love them when they come to church. They will show them the example of a man who walks with God, and they need to see that. Your kids need to see the model of a man who is present and visible walking with God. You need to see that. They need to see you fail, men. 
They need to see you make mistakes and apologize for it and say, I was wrong, but I'm going to live it right. And every time I make mistakes, I'm taking it to the cross. And every time I screw up is going to the blood of Jesus because I want to be a man who is holy and righteous and living for the Lord. They need to see that. They don't need to see you perfect. They need to see you perfected by the one who came who was perfect. He removed what was invisible by his sacrifice. He was God, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. It wasn't until God came in a body that we actually have a form to God because the spirit has no form. And so Jesus was the expressed image of almighty God. And what did Jesus come to do? Sacrifice. So the problem in our day today, and the reason why so many men are invisible, is because they're selfish. They're too selfish. And we must understand that you are called to be a man to sacrifice and to help prop up those who are not understanding the way and to walk in the truth of God. To understand that if men will get this vision and realize Showing up can change someone's life. They will realize that showing up can also change somebody's eternity. Even if it's a sacrifice, become visible, present. Where invisible things are, show up. Where men are missing, step in. Where things are hurt, be a healer. Show up every day in prayer, in the word, in example to others, in spirit and strength, in courage and faith. Men be 2020 and 2020. Be 2020 and 2020. Be visible. And someone said, Amen. Let's go barbecue something and offer it to the Lord as a burnt sacrifice. I'm out of notes, but I want to tell you a story. Can I finish with a story? You guys, I haven't bored you yet. Anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this word? I brought this. I t I'm telling you, the word of the Lord in 1 Kings 20, verse 39 and 40 says, Now as the king passed by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And, and verse number 40 says, while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. In other words, he said, guard this man that I've captured in battle. You keep his, your eye on it. Don't be distracted by the horses, the rumbling of the chariots, the clanking of the swords. Your one job is to guard this man. The king brought the man to him. He said, guard him. It's his life or yours. Guard him. And so the man got busy. He got distracted by the battle going on. And the one he was supposed to guard got away. And he, in verse 40, he says, while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it because you didn't keep your post, men. You didn't watch over what was given to you by the king. Hello, somebody. Preach with me right now. 
The man I'm talking about that you have to guard is the old man, that flesh in your life. What happened? He tried to give an excuse in verse 40. Look at what he says. And thy servant was, I was busy. It wasn't neglect. I was just busy. In 2012, I was saying a lot of I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I was starting a business with somebody else, and every time someone called me from the church, I would say, the, how are you doing, Pastor? Oh, I'm busy. And I started realizing that people stopped calling me because he's busy. He's too busy for us. He's, he's too busy. He's busy. What was I doing? I was providing for my family, yes, but I was saying I'm busy. And what we have to understand is that in this picture that I'm trying to give you, the man here is our flesh men. And we can get so busy in life that we start letting our flesh down. We start letting things happen where we give in to little fleshly temptations. And pretty soon you start to struggle and you don't realize it. But you have let yourself, you've let the man go. Amen. You've been so busy, and you're trying, and this servant is trying to prove to the king, but I was busy. I had important things to do. I was busy doing things, but you let yourself fall down on the job. You let yourself fall over and didn't keep your responsibilities. Men, we must be visible. We must also guard this flesh. We have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be right with God and watching ourselves, not giving ourselves little um. Uh, little th moments where we can just, okay, well, it's all right. I'm just going to indulge here a little bit. I'm going to indulge there a little bit. It's not that bad. No, you need to guard your flesh because the king is coming back, and he's going to ask you, have you kept the man? Have you kept the man? The thing we lose when we get busy is we lose the man, and we cannot help our children get to God if we're not watching and guarding ourselves in our walk with God. I know this is harsh today. I hope you don't. Please come back next week. <laughs> is that all right? Give me a second. I got to get my illustration. So there was a preacher in a farm town, and this has to do with Guarding your flesh. You know, whenever, what you have to understand is you, as, a, as a society that is celebrating, celebrating invisible men and all the things that they're doing, to say that man's not needed. We don't need man. It's not needed. The biblical picture of a man is that he stands out front and he takes the fight first. And whatever comes to you is actually less than quite a bit less than what he takes as the first blow. It's the picture of Jesus stepping out in front of our sin and saying, you've got to go through me to get them. And what I realized was while I was saying I was busy, I was busy, others were like, I can't bring my needs to the Lord. I can't bring my needs to the pastor. I can't bring my needs because I'm busy. And I stopped saying it. The Lord quickened me in prayer, Carla. I thank God for conversations with our father. He said, stop saying you're busy. You're hurting the church because they think they can't bring needs to you as the pastor. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm not stepping out in front and helping the church. I apologize. And I stopped saying, I'm busy. I'm busy. And so what I realized was as I was walking through dealing with 
situations, people would bring them to me, and I would fatigue. And I started saying, well, I'm tired. I'm tired. I got my problems. I got your problems. I got your kids' problems. And I got your children's 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 problems. That song we just sang. And the Lord said, why don't you give it to me? You were never meant to carry it. Pass it through. Men, you're supposed to be the priest of your home. You're supposed to take every problem. Yes, they're supposed to bring them to you. But you're then supposed to just deflect them and hand them right off to your heavenly father. That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to hold those things. You're not supposed to be burdened by all the weights of it. You, when someone brings me a problem in the church, I say, let's take it to the Lord. Let's take, that's my position. Take it to the greater shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd. He's the great I am. He has all power. Amen. And I didn't understand that because I didn't have a model figure in my life. My dad always took everything upon himself. I'll handle it. I'll deal with it. But he never showed me. I'll take it to God. He never showed me that pass-through. And while he's being buried under everything, I had to learn that I'm not supposed to carry all that. It's already handled at the cross. Amen, somebody. And so we deal with the problems of being a man. And if you don't take things that are brought to you, you're supposed to handle everything by giving it off and handing it to the Lord. If you don't take it to the Lord, you'll begin smoking again and drinking again, and you'll begin using drugs again. Whatever was your vice before you came to the Lord, if you try to take on everything and try to be the Messiah in your home, you will go back to ways of coping that you used to know. But if you will hand it off to the true Messiah, oh, that's good preaching right there, Pastor. If you will hand it off to him, you don't have to carry the burden of it. And you will not go back to vices to cope with the burden. You will actually hand the burden as well. See, you're not just giving the problem to God. You're giving the burden of the problem as well. And there's a freedom in living for God when you keep handing your children to the Lord. When you keep offering up everything to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Hear this preacher. You weren't meant to backpack your life. You weren't meant to put everything in and carry it yourself. You you are meant to give it to the Lord, and I'm speaking to men today that need to carry things to the Lord. You're supposed to be the priest of your home. That means you take it to God in prayer. I'm so thankful for women that pray. Thank God for you. But men, you need to guard your home as the priest of your home. And you also need to be the prophet of your home, Brother Mike. You need to be the prophet in your home. When your kids fall down, you need to say, get up. That is not your destiny. That is not where you're going. I see more in you. I see a blessing in you. You don't even know the generational blessings on your life. You don't even understand what God has put inside. I see it. You may not see it now, but believe your dad. You prophesy over those kids. And you prop them up when they fall down. So I'm back to my story. I didn't forget. Farm. Church, pastors, dealing with some farmers and different people from different backgrounds. And every time he gets done with his sermon, he asks, does anybody want to close out in prayer? And this one guy in the back, always, this farmer, always wants to close out in prayer. So, all right, Jimmy, go ahead, lead us in prayer. 
So Jimmy prays, Lord, we thank you for this gift of the word. We ask that it be planted deep in our hearts and bring forth good harvest. And Lord, would you please prop us up on our leaning side? Amen. Every prayer, his closing sentence was, Lord, prop us up on our leaning side. Finally, the pastor's like, I don't have a clue what that means. What does that even mean? I'm letting this guy pray to end our service, and I don't even know what he means. So he goes back to him one day, and he says, Jimmy, you know, I noticed that you pray good prayers. That's great prayers, really good prayers. I appreciate that. Closing out in prayer like that, that's really good. I appreciate that. But what in the world does prop me up on my leaning side mean? He goes, oh, pastor, have you ever been on a farm? He's like, well, I have, but I'm not a farmer. He said, prop you up on your leaning side is a farmer's term. That when your barn starts to get old, it'll start to lean. <laughs> and instead of rebuild the entire barn and tear it all down because it's so costly, you get big two-by-fours and four-by-fours and you prop the barn up. You lean them against the ground and into the barn and then you hammer them into place and that props the barn up on its leaning side. He goes, in the same way is true with every man. Every man from their life, whether the iniquities of their fathers or the iniquities that they picked up in their clubbing days. Hello, somebody. That's for somebody online. I know none of you go clubbing. The, the things that they picked up, the sins that were passed down or the sins that they acquired in their life that they got an affinity for because they were running from God. That creates a bend in your life. It creates a leaning in your flesh. And you will have that leaning unless you take that leaning and crucify the old man. Amen? Unless you guard the old man until the king comes. You have to guard the old man. And so what he's saying is, he's telling the preacher, so what that means is, if I lean towards skirt chasing, I ask the Lord to prop me up on my lust side so I don't offend my God. He said, and if, and if I lean toward the bottle, I say, Lord, prop me up so I don't go drinking every weekend. Or if I lean toward other things, I ask him in the prayer, I'm saying, Lord, prop me up on my weakness side. Amen. Every man in here needs to understand that your sin is not the biggest problem with God. Your prayerlessness is the biggest problem with God. Because if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and I will heal, I will forgive them and heal them. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Forgiven sins is not the biggest thing God can do. Healing you when you pray, hearing you pray is what God does. And so these are my walking sticks. These are what prop me up on the road to life. So I have these, um, I have these sticks and ends are not sharp on one of these sticks. If you can see it, I don't know if you can see that, but it has like a, a blunt rubber end. That's what I use when I'm on the road. But when I get in very bad terrain, I have to use this end, which is pointed. It's like a spear because I need something to prop me up in places where my footing is not sure. And so this is my little illustration today, and I hope you're not sick of my illustrations. I'm a recovering youth pastor. So online, they're like, what does that mean? Whenever I go hiking, I have to have something that stabilizes me.
because I know I'm going to get into terrain that's unsure and my footing won't be sure. And what it means is whenever we pray a prayer of, Lord, prop me up on my leaning side, this rod is like God our Father. He comes and he shows up and he takes care of us. And if we would just pray prayers of saying, Lord, would you help me in this area? Lord, if you will be honest with God, hear me today. If you'll be honest with God, the reason why some people like me as a pastor is because I'm real with them. I'm like, I'm going through the things you're going through. We're going through this together. You don't, you're, you're not just a man all alone or a woman all alone in life. You have problems that we all deal with. And maybe today God would prop us all up on our leaning side. Maybe today God would help us to give us some stability in a place where we haven't had stability. Maybe we came from a background that was torn up and broken. And maybe you need God to help you because you've never had hope in your life from a parent. You've never had someone step in and say, I know it's broken. I know it felt like you had it and now it's been yanked out from underneath you. But God is still able to give you what he's promised you. His blessings are still real. I've lived it. I've been propped up before on my leaning side long enough that I didn't fall down, that I didn't fall into lust. I didn't fall into sin. I didn't fall back onto the bottle to help me. I didn't fall back into gross things that other people are struggling with. Why? Because my father came along and he helped me through my prayers, and he lifted me up when I didn't have a sure footing. He helped me. He propped me up on my leaning side. Is that okay, somebody? Would you stand with me today? I'm done. I just wanted to share with you that God is looking for men, and God is looking for women that guard their flesh until the king comes. Is that a good word for you today? Do you need to hear that? If you've made, hear me, if you've made mistakes, we all have made mistakes. No man is an island. The Bible tells us that. We're not alone in this. Paul said, there's no good thing in my flesh. So we understand that we can fall down. We can make mistakes. But he's able if we just pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me. I've prayed so many of those prayers. God, help me. God, help me. Prop me up on my leaning side. Can I ask for the men to come to the altar today? I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I feel like there is a, a, a prop you up prayer today. I feel like there is a, a place in this altar today for somebody who needs to feel the touch of the Lord. Maybe you have been struggling with something that you don't even want to talk about. Maybe you have fought a lot of big battles and you have won a lot of big battles, but you're dealing with fatigue. I'm asking you today to guard your guard the man. Guard the man till the king comes. And we're going to do that with these prayers right now. Would you bow your heads, men? Jesus, in the name of the Lord, we ask you to help us honor you by praying over these men. We hear the word of the Lord. Guard this man today. Would you guard these men? The word guard there means to put a hedge around with thorns so that you cannot exit out or you cannot get away. Would you put a hedge around these men's flesh so that they do not run into anything, Lord God, that would destroy their marriages or their life or their job or their commitments to you, God, would you guard them as we pray over these men right now? Would you guard their flesh? 
Would you help them to be men that walk after the spirit and not after the flesh so that they don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Guard them, Lord God. Guard the man here. Help them to be engaged and visible in their family's life. Help them to be present even when it's painful. Help them to be present even when the promise hasn't come to pass yet. Help them to be men who remove the invisible man in their life and say, I don't care if dad wasn't there. I'm going to be there for my kids. I don't care if I feel like God hasn't shown up, I'm going to show up and keep praying and keep trusting God. Would you help these men guard the man of their life? In Jesus, as we talk about guarding the man, would you help them guard you, the man Christ Jesus in their life? I pray over them that truth would always reign in their hearts, that no wind of doctrine would separate them from the understanding that to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, that they would understand that the invisible Father didn't stay invisible but became as the Son of God. Would you help them always hold on to that and keep truth in their life? I pray over these men, and I pray over this church. Would you lift your hands, everyone in this room? Everyone in this room, just lift your hands toward heaven. Lord, if there is a father wound in this place, heal it right now. I minister to somebody right now who has been bent or is leaning because of a father wound in their life. Would you heal them in the name of Jesus? And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Now put both your hands on your chest just like this and say, Lord, let it be. Lord, let it be. No more invisible men in this church. No more invisible men in my life. Lord, I believe that you're the God who's going to show up. Come on, men, put your trust in God right now. Put your trust in the Lord right now. If your trust has been shaky, put it back in him right now. Take a moment with God with your hands on your chest and said, Lord, you are a visible God. You are the man, Christ Jesus, who came to save and set free. I trust you for my job. I trust you for my tomorrow. Anybody in this room that needs a job right now, put your hands on your chest and just say, Lord, I trust you. Anybody online, just go ahead and pray the prayer. Lord, provide a new job. I know this virus took it away, but God can give it back right now. In the name of Jesus, be a supplying father. Be the protected father. Be the providing father. Be the priest over these men and women. Be the God who prophesies over them. Your last job is not your best job. Your best days are still ahead of you. Your good days are still out in front of you. You're going to be blessed, and I claim it in Jesus' name over everyone online and in this house. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Big hand of praise. Come on, let's do better than that. He's our Heavenly Father. We applaud you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. You didn't leave us alone. You have showed up for us in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go today. If you need more prayer or time of prayer, you can meet me over here. But the Lord is with you. May his face shine upon you. May he bless you from generation to generation, your children and their children and their children, and make his face shine upon you. Amen. God bless you as you go.
God bless you online. Have a great day.